Hey everyone, and welcome back to Real Talk No Gimmicks with Haley, Demi, and Erin. We're so glad you guys are here with us um, because today's a very special episode we're really excited about. We have a guest with us, actually. Um, her name is Allie from a podcast called Speak Up Brown Girl. So we're going to get right into the episode. As always, we're going to have Demi do the intro, and we're going to get right into it. So yes. yeah. So today our topic is just being a minority in a dark world, and how to navigate and how to approach um, situations, you know, just being a minority. So without further ado, let me just introduce you again to Miss Allie and just tell us a bit about yourself and your podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you all so much for inviting me to this. Um, my name is Allie, I use she, her pronouns. I am a recent UC Davis graduate, uh, Currently living in the Bay. Shout out 415. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I am the host of Speak Up Brown Girl, which is a podcast that focuses mainly on women of color because we sit at the intersection of race and gender. So I wanted to give a platform for for women of color to be able to like speak on their experience because we kind of experience it all. Yeah. You know, there's like it, we don't get to pick and choose. We have to experience all of it, yeah, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's Thank awesome. you. <laughs> so we're going to just hop right into our main discussion. So first question I want to ask you, Allie, is how was your experience at like a predominantly white institution? And how would you like, how did you navigate that experience being a brown girl yourself? Uh, yeah. So I grew up outside of, um, our, our, our state's capital, Sacramento. And I lived actually in a predominantly white neighborhood. So growing up, I had literally no Filipino friends, mm -hmm. which was hard because like I grew, I am a, I don't know how I would classify myself. My dad immigrated from the Philippines, but my mom was born here. Mm -hmm. So I grew up very um, in touch with my culture. But then also when I hung out with my friends, like it was like, they're like, that's so weird. Your food looks weird. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you do like, why do you do this thing with your elders? Like we have to, when we greet our elders, it's called manapol. And like you take their hand and you like go like this. That's mm -hmm. how you greet them. Yeah. But they're like, why do you do that? Like. You, you don't get paid for your chores. Weirdest things I've ever right. heard. <laughs> uh -uh. When people are like, oh, yeah, my parents gave me my allowance for, like, doing the dishes. I was like, my parents told me they put a roof over my house, so I have to do so the dishes. That's right. right. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> my parents, you don't have a choice. Mm. Yeah, like, so it was, um, it was really hard. And I feel like I, because of where I lived as a kid, um, I grew up with a, like a lot of internalized racism. Mm. Um, I tried my hardest not to learn my family's native language, which is my biggest regret. Um, I now know it. I just want to say that now. <laughs> I like took I took like four years and I was like, I'm not gonna, I refuse to be that person. Like I'm going to learn Tagalog. So I know it now, but like I was like, no, only speak English to me. I would try and get my parents, my grandparents not to talk sometimes because I didn't want people to hear their accent. Mm. 
Um, and I hated when my mom made me lunch because it was always Filipino food and like, you know, the white kids would always comment on it. And so going into high school with that mindset too, you know, with the same people who are just like very much not aware of the things that they're saying and how it can affect um, other people. I, I just tried to fit in with the white girls. Like I was just like, I had a lot of like body image issues because I was like, I'm not as skinny or I'm not as light skinned as these girls. Like I don't see myself at all represented in my, in my own school. Cause all of my teachers, all the faculty, all of everybody was just white. And so it was like, there was always this like disconnect for me where I was like, I don't know where I'm supposed to fit in because you know, these, these events, these things that people put on, it's very much embedded in like, I guess, white culture, but like, where do I fit in as a Filipina? Mm -hmm. um, and even in, uh, going into college though, I feel like that was, that was a little bit of a ch shift because uh, I did go to a community college um, and I was able to go to a community college that was very diverse. And so that's kind of where I learned to embrace who I am, um, embrace being brown and then embrace being a queer woman. Uh, and then that was the most liberating feeling. So I feel like when I transferred to Davis, which is also still a PWI, like mm -hmm. I at least had a sense of who I was and where I belonged and what my community looks like and what I want to do for my community. So it was not as hard, but it's still hard to find that representation that encourages and empowers others mm -hmm. at PWIs. Yeah, I mean, everything you said really resonated. I could tell, like, you could relate to every single thing you said, mm -hmm. which is so crazy how similar we are because we're all from different backgrounds. But even as brown girls, like, in general, like, we can relate so much to everything you said, wanting to be white, not appreciating your culture for what it is, being, like, there's nothing wrong with being surrounded by people who are different. But I remember also being in a state of, like, wanting to be like them and being ashamed of who I am and my culture, you know? And I totally understand what you know where you were coming from. That I could totally relate. Like the food thing, especially. I, I'm an, I'm Indian, so, you know, growing up, I my mom would make Indian food every single day, and I'd have to take it to school. And as soon as you open the container, people are like, "What is that smell?" Like they're like, "What? This is so like different and weird." And it's like they ask you about it, but you know, like in the back of your head, they think it it's weird, right? So like you get that feeling of like you know clearly you think like I'm some alien or something like it's just really weird so I completely understand like what you were saying and I really resonated with it mm -hmm. yeah. okay so our second question um is what are the best ways to combat racial injustices done to you or others on a day-to-day -day basis yeah that's a good question um so one thing that I the this generation of Filipinos uh, Filipinx people are saying is it's called no history, no self. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's honestly probably one of the most important things you could ever take away in your life. It's like not not just your own history, um, but like just history in general, because I think it's really especially minorities histories are so intertwined. But we never get to see that because of the fact that we have we are taught this like very whitewashed version of history. And so to, you know, to keep the, the minorities oppressed, why would they ever show when they band together and are able to overcome su such obstacles? Mm -hmm. And so 
I think the biggest thing that I could ever do for myself and that I could ever teach my community is to know our own history and know how it intertwines with other uh, people's histories. And so I feel like with knowing that, it's so helpful to try and combat racial injustices because then you know, like, it's not just you versus this other community versus this other community versus this other community. It's these communities against white supremacy, mm. white, white oppression. Um, I don't like using the word white supremacy anymore because no race is supreme over the other. Mm-hmm. So we're like, you know, use white suppression because that's what it is. White oppression, white suppression. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was the biggest thing I could have ever learned for myself is knowing that my ancestors were able to band together. I can band together too. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. And like also just education, like pe- learning, telling people like the history. So Because some people are not trying to be some people not all but some people aren't trying to be malicious they're just ignorant and so it's so important to just be like this is the history behind what you're saying this is the history behind these stereotypes like like you have to understand that this is not actually how it is this is how white people have framed us for so many years and we've just kept going with it because like we've been told that there's we can't fight against it right right. i love how you discussed how important it is to know your own history mm. um i think we we kind of like giggled amongst each other when you mentioned that because just our past like experience with history over the years we won't obviously go we we keep it real but we try to like be reserved right yeah. um so we obviously <laughs> won't get, won't get too, too into yeah. it but it definitely was whitewashed and i think too like history mm-hmm. it's important um for perspective because my explanation of my history as an African-American is going to be completely different than someone who hasn't experienced it or hasn't lived it. Like, you can read it on a textbook page, but, like, you you can kind of have empathy for that person. Or sympathy. I get confused. I think you can be sympathetic and, like, you know, feel sorry or that it happened, but you're not going to fully be empathetic because you can't feel what it felt like so I loved how you touched on that and I think history is important because it gives perspective not just of the past but Mm -hmm. for the future of how you can move forward and it helps you to embrace who you are who you've been created to be and just walk in that with confidence and so with that I want to lead into the next question about um like what are tips that you would give to minorities and I mean I think it can expand to people that aren't a minority, but specifically since we are talking about minorities, what tips would you give on how they can be encouraged on a daily basis in a world that doesn't always value who they are and just because of the color of their skin? Yeah, uh, I think the first thing is, you know, you're not in this alone. So surround yourself with a community that accepts you and loves you because on the days where you hit your lowest, like you gotta, you gotta have something, you gotta have something going on. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the biggest thing is find that community that you know is gonna see, see you and under and understand you and like meet you, mm-hmm. even if, even if they don't have the same background or history as you. Just knowing that you are accepted somewhere is always a a beacon of light in people's life. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest things um when I went to Davis and I joined my my Filipina sorority like that was my community of people and yeah not all of my sorority uh, members are 
Filipina, but they all, we all resonate with the things that we were teaching in that sorority. And so that was my community that I always leaned on was this group of people who are just so empowering. And when, you know, it feels like you are being fought against just because of who you are, just because of how you look, you always know that your community is going to back you up mm-hmm. and like they'll show up and show out if they, if they need to. I think community is one of the biggest things. And it also goes back to the whole no, no, no history, no self. As long as you are so, there has to be a little bit of pride in who you are, you know, because if you are not proud of your heritage, your background, who you are as a core, like at your core, then you're going to be, people are going to be able to push you over so easily. But as long as you have like a strong foundation, then it's going to be, take a lot more like strength and a lot more uh, words to try and push push you down. So I feel like as long as you know who you are as a person and you know yourself and you know your history, then you can go forth in the world and just be like, yeah, you know what? Like racial injustice, it sucks. And you know that TikTok sound where it's like uh, bigotry, knock it out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like something like that. But like if if you know yourself, you know your history, you know that you you're gonna be able to get through the day and you're gonna be able to still fight for this because we've had people fight for years and years. Like not just recent American history, like even just like what four hundred, five hundred years ago, you know, like I know the his- Filipinos have been fighting against those Spanish for a mm. long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I feel like, you know, when the world feels dark, you just have to be proud of who you are, be strong and know your foundations. Mm-hmm. And then also know that you have a community to back you up. I, I really, that. yes, I really love the community aspect and just, you know, staying ground in your identity. And I have a mini confession, I guess, growing up in high school and recently um, in my first year of college, I guess I sort of lost myself, uh, my ethnic self. Because I suppose I didn't really take the time to learn more about my culture, my history. And because of that, I get, you know, moved and shifted when it comes to my identity. Like, am I more of a white person? Am I more of a black person? Or am I more of a Nigerian person? You know, Mm -hmm. and people ask me, like, why do you act this way? Why do you act white? And I'm like, really, I do? You talk that way. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's not my intention. But... Honestly, like right now, I'm still working on um, building a foundation, especially now with this um, one club, the Nigerian Student Association. So from that association, I'm I'm learning more about my culture, my history, and I'm even developing better relationships with people in my community. And again, we already talked about community, as you said just now. (laughs) And even in our first episode um, about, you know, college life, just finding your community will literally be the biggest stepping stone in who you are personally. Like you, you said to yourself, just run to them if you're feeling low, run to them. Even if you're happy, like if there's anything in your life, whether you're happy or sad or angry, just go to them and they'll accept you as who you are, you know, raci- racially, um, ethnically, and with so many other categories that you label yourself um, as. But yeah. And I guess we're like running low on time, so I think we should have maybe one or two more questions. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um. So my next question, f- like for you, would be um, if you're comfortable with sharing at all, um, 
Have you mm -hmm. ever had any personal experience with racial, racial or ethnic prejudice? I apologize. And how did you handle mm -hmm. that situation? And how did you get out of it and overcome it? Um, I'm not going to lie. I have and it's been at different points in my life. So I've definitely handled it very differently, mm -hmm. um, depending on when they happened. But I remember being in high school and um, this white kid was coming up to me and he's like, oh, so like, were you, were you and your family like mail order brides? And I was, I was, I, was, I didn't, like, how do you respond, do you respond to that? To that? Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, especially when you're at a point in your life where you're like, I'm still trying to fit in with the white kids. And so I didn't, I just laughed it off. And I was like, haha, no. I wish I just, I wish I did something different, but like, it, I have so successful effect. Yeah, no, really, just like. <laughs> <laughs> <Literally. laughs> but like, I was just like, I, I didn't know. Hey, I didn't know what, what, what do you, what do you say to that? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I am like, but that's not true. And like, also that's so incredibly rude to assume yeah. that. But yeah, so I just laughed it off and I wish I did something different, but also I was what, like 16 at the time. I was mm -hmm. so young yeah. and I didn't know any better. Um, and then there have just been like passing comments where like, I remember I was driving right after Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. Um, and I was just driving, like there was, I was doing nothing, minding my own business, listening to my music as one does in their car. And this white man in a truck yells at me and goes, go back to where you came from, you. Wow. Oh my goodness. And I like, again, this was right after high school for me. So I didn't know what to do. And I just pulled over and I sobbed because I have never, the mail order bride was like a joke. Yeah. It was a rude joke, but it was a joke. This man had every intention to be malicious to me. Mm, wow. And I just, I didn't, how do you, how do you, I guess, process that type of hate from somebody who was literally just passing you on the street? Right. Yeah. And so I just had to cry. Mm -hmm. And I called my mom and I was like, mom, this just happened to me. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I will come pick you up because I don't want you driving. And I was like, that's fine. Um, and so, like, those are two very important moments to me that I think stand out as far as, like, my younger self mm -hmm. um, and being more of an adult but less of a kid and realizing that, like, there are people who are just hateful and, like, but then there's there's different types of, I guess, racism where it can be malicious or it can be not malicious. Mm -hmm. um, but in my adulthood, I've been lucky enough to be able to, like, find my voice and just stick up for myself because I have a very, I have more of a solid foundation of who I am now. And so, you know, there's still like these like passing comments about me being Asian, me being like submissive and all of that. And now I at least am able to be like, actually, no, I'm not that. Mm -hmm. I'm not the stereotype that you wanna be forcing upon me. Mm -hmm. Like I actually have a lot more going for myself than just that. So thank you very much. But you can sit down and educate yourself or you could just leave the house now. Mm, thank right. you. Absolutely. That's Tell how you do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that must have been really yeah, scary and really cool. hard. Um, and I like how you highlighted, you know, we could definitely see the growth in each one of your responses. 
um, and just the you know the emotion that you felt throughout as a human because mm. I, I can personally say like I haven't experienced something you know to that extent but I can imagine at that age like how absolutely terrifying that would be and how that must like throw you off like completely you know but I'm really proud to say that you know you're at a point where you and love and accept yourself for who you are and you can tell people like no I have this foundation and I know who I am and whatever you say is not going to throw me off like I know and I'm grounded in who I am so mm. honestly from real talk no gimmicks we're really proud of you yes. Yes. We're proud yes. of thank you thank you and thank, we you. thank you so much for sharing your story yeah. so yeah guys you heard it folks don't forget to stay grounded in who you are mm -hmm. don't forget to yeah. be educated to find your community that accepts you for who you are and don't mm -hmm. forget to stay real!